Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. It's just getting getting tough here in the studio, folks. Uh, Chad is uncontrollably laughing, and uh, this may go downhill from here. But uh, welcome back to The Grind, ladies and gentlemen, and... uh, with me, as always, is my buddy Boo Winkle, uh, the laughing Chad. Good, good to be with you, Rocky. <laughs> That's sure Ricky get that. to you. Yeah, well, I was going to throw out those, you know, famous pairings every episode. It was going to be my thing, yeah. you know, and then Boo Winkle happened. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm done, Dave. And I'm always, going back to my normal. How are you, Chad? Fine. Yeah, the, the, those Fine, always Dave. go horribly wrong, Chad. Yeah, so that's, so, so yeah, I'm good, Dave. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So recovering from my daughter going to college, and uh, it's been a weird summer. Yeah, you Just need a, a tissue. I, I may okay? need a tissue. All right. So we're okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll make it, and uh, it's a new experience for me. And uh, but we're we're surviving, so it'll be all right. It's funny because I have young children at home, with yeah. very young children, and I'm like, man, college, wouldn't that be awesome to be sending them away right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like grieving the fact that you're sending yours away. It's just it. grass is greener, seasons of life. Yeah, it is. It you is. Know, and, hashtag and, uh, family goals. This too shall come for you. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, uh, and uh, pass. Yeah. So, hey, before we get into our interview today with uh, our buddy John Mark Page, I want to let you guys know about a survey that we're doing. Nick has set up uh, on the Twitters for us, so uh, at the Grind AR, uh, it's pinned at the top, and we want to hear from you guys um, concerning you know length of the the show each week. Uh, you know, is it good length? You want it shorter? You want it longer? Uh, you know, who do you want to see us interview? Hear us interview? Some people obviously you know, are di- very difficult to get. So, you know, Matt Chandler, Tim Keller, some of those guys, if you're listening, I'm sure you're not, but if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast. But unless you guys know some somebody and have a personal connection, those guys are hard to get. But um, everybody kind of runs in different circles and kind of reads and listens to different guys. So, you know, you want to hear from church planners, network leaders, authors, thinkers, whoever, let us know uh, what segments you like, which segments you don't like, you know, all that good stuff. So so go on the Twitters and fill out that survey for us. Let us know what you think. And we just, we really want to make this podcast better and better uh, each time. And so uh, you guys can help us with that uh, tremendously. So fill it out and uh, we will take your answers very seriously because we're, we're known for seriousness on this podcast. We're very serious. Uh, as, as you've <clears throat> experienced. So... Yeah. All right, we got uh, our good buddy John Mark Page who will be joining us here in a second and looking forward to talking to, to him about his work in Arkadelphia with Connect Church and the house church network he's trying to start there, uh, plus his uh, missionary work in Southeast Asia. He has a very interesting uh, past in Southeast Asia as a missionary, some cool stories there, so we'll dive into that uh, here shortly. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we're going to kick it to our interview with John Mark Page now. Welcome to the one, the only, the coolest bus driving guy that I know, John Mark Page. Oh, me. Yeah. 
Thank you. Hey, they can't uh, they can't see you turn around or hear you turn around. So uh, oh. any you know uh, <laughs> gestures like that will go unnoticed and unappreciated. So, so I'll I'll explain everything I'm doing so that it'll it'll, uh, it'll come across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just have a running commentary about all the things you're doing in your chair, sitting in your office, like like mystery like mystery theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, we could qualify for Mystery Science Theater 3000. I think we could. Yeah. That would yeah. be great. <laughs> Some would probably equate this podcast with that show. Uh, yeah. As, except uh, not as good. Except, yeah, except not near as funny or as important in pop yeah. culture history. So... Uh, <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, we've got uh, uh, Chad on FaceTime on the iPad and John Mark Page on Skype uh, on the computer and Nick and I live in the studio. So this will be uh, uh, quite the interesting interview uh, hey. across the technological stratosphere. Hashtag technology. Well, that's right. Know? That's right. I just wish I'd have known it wasn't going to be video. I wouldn't have trimmed my nose hairs and got my beard all groomed. <laughs> We're, we are somehow disappointed that you did all that because uh, I was hoping to see the nose hair braids coming out. Yeah. And, uh, so so let me get this straight. This is your groomed look, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Just I'm just trying to process. You know. That's right. Let's set, let's have a moment of prayer for John Mark's wife as she wakes up to ungroom John Mark in the morning. That's right. Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, this this podcast is going downhill quick. Uh, I think it's, I, get, I, think I get it's, free. I get free hamburgers in front of McDonald's all the time. <laughs> I, I haven't bought a hamburger, and I don't know. I don't remember when. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. That's the best. That's hilarious. Oh goodness, oh, poor fella. Look at him. You know, a homeless trucker. <laughs> I used to, you know, explain, but now I just say thank you. Yeah, you know, hey, you you would think that it's because you look a little homeless, but it's actually because you're an Atlanta Braves fan. They have all this oh, compassion on you, so they give you. Please, please, please say that I'm now tomahawk chopping because oh, they can't see me doing the tomahawk chop. Yeah. Okay. Well, we Whatever. didn't understand a word you said because you started breaking up in that moment. So it's probably better uh, for oh, our audience not to hear probably you. so. Your defense <laughs> of the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive I in was here. Tomahawk chopping. Okay. Tomahawk chopping from John Mark Page, the homeless trucker. Yes. So. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. John Mark, kind of let's get everybody up to speed on who you are and what you've done. So kind of talk about uh, your ministry journey, uh, you know, kind of before and, and time overseas and, and leading up to planning Connect Church in, in uh, Arkadelphia. Well, uh, I, I pastored for about five years um, in, in Alabama, a little rural area in Alabama. And um, just prior to that, I'd have gone on a mission trip. Uh, to Southeast Asia, and it was through that trip that God just really called me to uh, full-time missions. I uh, wasn't married at the time, and uh, just set out to you know do everything I needed to do, go to seminary, and, and uh, so I continued pastoring, uh, going to a, an extension campus for New Orleans uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. Ended up getting married during that time, and we went on the field uh, to Southeast Asia in 2000, at the end of 2005 and uh, spent about 10 years, just shy of 10 years there, uh, 
doing uh, reproducible house church planting among uh, cousins. Um, it, it, it's a majority um, uh, cousin religion, I guess would be better to, to use that term. And so we use the reproducible house church model uh, to, to plant uh, uh, among uh, believers who came out uh, of, of, of that religion and, and became believers. So we found that to be uh, more effective uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, starting a movement. And so I uh, just felt like everything was uh, going well there. I became the strategy, uh, the team strategy leader uh, there for the area where we were. Our, our target area was around 22 million people. And so it was very intimidating, but uh, God just really... Um, stretched me and showed me that, you know, it never was about me or what I could do, <laughs> but yeah. just to be available. And, um, I tell you those, those believers, those national believers were, were heroes of mine, uh, mm. because they, they faced much more, uh, than I faced in terms of, you know, persecution or, or consequences, I guess you might say. Mm. And so, um, I just felt my role was just to, you know, come alongside them and maybe help provide some, you know, whether it be funding or, or material or just, uh, you know, training, uh, that type of thing. And um, it came time for our most recent stateside and leading up to it just really felt like the, the, that the Lord was doing something major in, in relation to our calling. And um, we just felt very uneasy and uh, about kind of what the next uh, step was. And so we, it was time to take a stateside. I thought maybe we were just tired. <laughs> so we just needed to come home and, and reassess and, uh, you know, kind of recharge our batteries. And But it was through that time that, that uh, the Lord opened up our eyes to um, just the lostness here and um, just really struggled, uh, wrestled with, you know, uh, not going back, but just felt very, um, very strongly that, that it just was the Lord's will for us to, to stay here and... Um, we did an uh, MIR in uh, at uh, Washita Baptist University, and uh, it was through that that God just kind of uh, landed us here, inched up the curtain enough to know that this is where we were supposed to be. So um, there's a lot more to that, but I I I, I want to give you an opportunity to maybe ask something more specific or um, <laughs> yeah <coughs> yeah so <coughs> excuse me so out of the you know. Talk about, I guess, <clears throat> excuse me, what you learned uh, overseas. And I don't know how much we can talk about where you were and kind of exactly what you did. Uh, so we'll kind of leave that vague. Uh, but uh, in your covert ops, you know, for the United States government. And uh, just kidding, <laughs> folks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, talk about kind of what you saw with your your platform over there, uh, which was goat farming. And, uh, which is awesome. The most awesome missionary platform ever. (laughs) And, uh, and then kind of what you learned, you know, through your reproducible, you know, house churches and raising up indigenous believers and kind of how you're hoping to kind of see that happen, you know, here, uh, in the U S. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, anytime you're on the field, um, well, at least in certain countries, you, you have to have a platform to be there. You can't just be there you know, to share the good news, uh, in, in some countries that's just not going to fly. So, um, 
So we, we kind of went through a, a few different platforms, but it was almost always connected to rural uh, development and you know community uh, community development. And so um, started out uh, just kind of uh, you know clean water those type things in, in really poor areas. Um, but I had worked as a goat farmer in in Alabama, and so uh, had had that experience and. Um, only God could have uh, brought this together, but um, the, the the team, the, the the strategy leader at the time of this one particular place, had he knew that, and and there was a teaching farm there um, that they used as a as a, a means to a bridge, I guess you might say, um, that they provided free training to farmers who wanted to increase their livelihood and you know learn a new skill maybe or a better you know a better way of doing it, so. Uh, he said they didn't have any livestock of any kind, and so he uh, just asked me to pray about, and that was our one of our, our first stateside times, and so we went on stateside and just really prayed about that and uh, came back and joined that team, and uh, so I became the director of that teaching farm, and then I, I started a, a goat dairy uh, there at that teaching farm, a small herd, just kind of to be able to teach, you know, it wasn't a large scale, uh, by any means, it wasn't really designed to make a lot of profit. But, um, so we kind of started from the ground up, uh, a small scale goat dairy and, uh, taught, taught farmers how to, how to process the milk, how to make cheese. And, um, it was through, uh, through those relationships that we were able to share the good news. And, uh, and it got us into a lot of areas around uh, the island where we were. So um, uh, the the area where we were was still a lot of farming, and so it was a good fit. And so um, I, I, what I learned was that you can use anything. I, I read. I, I wish I could um, give credit to the to the, which writer it was. It, um, but read recently that you know here in the States, you know, we can look at whatever we do, um, as a platform to be able to, you know, be a, uh, instrument that God can use. And I don't know that living on the field for those, uh, almost 10 years, I think has changed my worldview mindset that you don't have to be in full-time ministry to have a missionary mindset. And so that's kind of what I, I believe the Lord was leading us to do was to help, uh, cast vision, to believers here that, you know, there's a lot of lostness and brokenness. I, I'm, I'm all for going on mission trips, but sadly, a lot of our traditional established churches just think of missions in terms of, you know, getting on a plane and, you know, getting a passport. And um, it was through the bus driving job that I got to because uh, when you go on leave of absence, uh, I'll add that part of the story, um, you know, we, we still had not quite figured out exactly what the Lord was was doing in terms of, um, you know, not uh, giving us permission to go back. So, um, you know, when you go on leave of absence, we felt led to do that. Uh, you you don't keep salary. Uh, I don't know why that is. You, you should think you'd think they would just keep paying us until you know we figure things <laughs> out for years if it takes. Yeah. But um, but sadly, uh, they said, okay, you pray as long as you need to, but we can't pay you. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we found that um, I, I started looking around here, and um, they're always needing bus drivers. So uh, my dad did that a couple of years when I was growing up. And so 
uh, I thought, you know, hey, there leaves a lot of flexibility during the day if I want to do something else. So let me go and see. So I got my CDL and started uh, started bus driving. And um, it was through that job that God just really opened my eyes to the brokenness and lostness right here in a you know a little rural area of of uh, South Central Arkansas. And mm. you know. Uh, you hear the term Bible Belt and, you know, all of those things. And I just think those are old terms that shouldn't be used anymore, because <laughs> if wow. this was indeed a, a Bible Belt, then uh, there wouldn't be uh, things that are going on here. And so through the through the bus driving job, it took me into areas that normally I wouldn't have a connection to. But because I, you know, everybody rides the bus, the rich, the poor, uh, African-American, you name it, everybody rides the bus. And uh, so you have a little representation, a true representation of the community right there uh, on your route. And and through that, I was able to meet families because I, I like to be connected more than you know, I'm taking their kid. You know, they're l- trusting me to uh, take their child, you know, off to, to school and then bring them home. And so I like knowing, you know, who the parent was and um I, I've shared this before, but I'm, I mean, there are some situations that um, that I come to that I just want to hold on to the kid and yeah. not let them off the bus yeah. because I know they're going wow. into a war zone. And I, I just think some of our our uh, our, our church members, our, our our established church brothers and sisters, I, I think would be shocked to know some of the situations that are right in their back door. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes we. Uh, see them at Walmart or we you know see them out and about, but we really don't think in terms of as a believer, as a church, I have to own that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm responsible for that. That's lostness right here where I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be a light and a means for the gospel. So I just saw such a disconnect um, for um, you know for, for for that kind of mindset here. And um, I, I wasn't alone, and I'm thankful that God uh, led me to a lot of like-minded believers. So that was very encouraging. And um, Dave, you were one of them that that uh, early in the early in all of this, uh, you know, had some wonderful conversations with. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of to answer your question of some things that I learned was, you know, um, so we we worked with. Um, with you know uh, former uh, a religion that uh, uh, Islam and so they had come out of that and so their background was so different than than mine or, or you know a, a church background believer and so we we referred to um, to to folks based on their background you know in terms of our developing strategy and so. The way I looked at it here uh, was very similar. I, I began to think in terms of church background believers and unchurched background believers, and um, you know th- their backgrounds are, are quite different. And yeah. So our strategy, I think, needs to be needs to uh, you know take that into consideration. And so um, so that's kind of. Uh, the, the 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 I believe the passion that the, the vision that God has given me is to um, help help to come alongside the established church to to reach out to the unchurched background because we're at second and even third generation of no no connection to to church and so to 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 think that they're just gonna happen upon uh, a Sunday morning service um, is just um, 
it's just almost impossible. It's very highly unlikely uh, yeah, yeah. that that that's going to happen. So what are we going to do to to reach them? And 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 so you know, uh, it, uh, being on the field caused me to. I, I mean, I'm a product of established church, and I'm very thankful for that. I don't want to ever come across as as being um, you know condescending or or um, <clears throat> in any way, shape, or form because I believe God is using it, has used it. Again, I'm a product of it, um, but uh, it, it, it caught being on the field caused me, uh, to strip down a lot of tradition that is not necessarily bad, but it, it's just that it's, it's tradition. It's extra biblical, if you will. And so, because we were you know, wanting to do something among, uh, a people or a, a segment that had no connection to that, you know, the, a bulletin or, you know, hymns <laughs> or pews or, you know, uh, order of worship or, you know, committees and all of those things that I know, like the back of my hand, I, I, that's what I grew up in. My dad was a bivocational pastor. And so it caused me to really strip down, I guess, uh, not me personally, but, um, but my <laughs> idea of the church, <clears throat> my idea of the church and, uh, to come back here and to, uh, uh, again, it's really um, helped me, I think, to, you know, what is Scripture, how does Scripture define church? You know, what are we, what's really necessary? Because a lot of people, I think, have confused uh, tradition with, you know, the way things are supposed to be done. <clears throat> and so that's been kind of a, 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 a tricky or sticky <laughs> um, part of all of this is, um, is, is kind of coming, uh, coming to the table and, let's, you know, uh, I guess agreeing on, you know, well, this is a, a, a necessary part, maybe this not so much. And so you really do challenge a lot of people and, and their background and, you know, kind of what they have grown up with. And But that's just not a, a, a part of, of someone who came out of uh, unchurched background. And so uh, it's, it's been exciting. Um, you know, uh, I, w- one part of my that stateside, my time here was meeting the pastor here. I know you you want to get to, to Craig and, but, uh, he, he and I had, uh, he, we met through a, a mutual friend, a, a colleague of mine that, uh, I didn't serve with him, but he served in another region <clears throat> and he introduced us. And so we met for coffee a number of times and I just began to hear his heart. Now this is uh, a pastor that, um, established church, uh, you know, s- seminary and, and working on his PhD and, uh, very much from the established church background, but has a heart for for lostness and and, and reaching reaching those in our community and very open. I, it was refreshing to have those conversations um, about you know to hear his heart and it, it it's just it's been a big part of God uh, unfolding His plan for for me and my family. We have three children and so. It was a uh, it, it was a lot of stressful, um, really passionate praying for me because um, you know we had our ministry there, we had our um, a little bit of stability uh, in the midst of chaos. Yeah. Uh, but but at least we kind of knew you know from month to month. Uh, but 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 coming here and just kind of God just saying you got to trust me on this. Um, so Craig and and meeting you, Dave. Uh, God just kind of let me know, kind of like He told Paul. Uh, I, I have I have people in the city. I have <laughs> I got folks here, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> in my mind, I compare myself to Paul frequently. Uh, you'll have to excuse the reference there. Uh, 
in my in my mind, I like to think of myself as yeah. the Apostle Paul. Well, um, like like we he, tell people all the time, you know, Jesus loves you, and we have a wonderful plan for your life. So yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> you <know>. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, Dave, so yeah, that's that, that's part of my journey. Yeah, Dave, you had a, you had a question on. Uh, Pastor Craig, did you not that you yeah. wanted to ask? Well, sure. Brought it up. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> speaking of of Pastor Craig Seals, whom we love dearly, I mean, you know, it, it's got to be awful working with that guy, uh, you know, and and we need some good juicy stuff on him. Uh, and and in this podcast, you don't have to pretend to like him uh, like you do <laughs> sitting in the office. And uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, talk about and you kind of weighed in that a little bit. You know, talk about uh, because you are you know, kind of part-time on staff at an established church like Park Hill, but a, a church very much that has a heart for taking the gospel to the community. Because um, they, they understand, you know, a lot of those folks understand, like many of our churches across Arkansas and across the, the country are realizing that the folks aren't just going to wake up in the morning and come to a, a gathering on Sunday morning. They're just not going to do that. Uh, and the list of things that they can choose to do on the day, throughout the day, that's not one of them for most people. <laughs> and so so finding ways to connect with the community and take the gospel to a community that is not necessarily opposed to Jesus. They just don't have any framework for who Jesus and the church are. And so that's kind right. of talk about working in that context from the established church out uh, trying to, to help them, encourage them, equip them, and then go do the, the, you know, the planting side of things that you're passionate about as well. As benefits and challenges. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, uh, th- that's broad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll sure try to, uh, I, I guess, um, so, that was hard for me because I've been out of, you know, I, I shared earlier I was a pastor myself, a little rural church in, in Alabama, and and my dad, I grew up, you know, my dad was a pastor, and so being on the field, I never saw myself uh, necessarily being on staff uh, at an established church, and, and again, it wasn't because I, I didn't agree, it was no disagreement, it was just that I really felt very passionate about, uh, you know, just being connected with those who were maybe had a different background and um, because that's exclusively who we worked with uh, on the field were, were those who just could not have been further from from that. And so um, God has brought me to a place where, uh, you know, uh, that I, there is a, a place, you know, and there are pastors like Craig who who do see a, a need to, to, to go and reach those who aren't just going to you know, show up uh, on a Sunday morning, and and then I also read a lot of really good uh, folks. Dave, you, you turned me on to um, uh, to uh, his name slips me at the moment. Please Alan help Hirsch. me. Uh, yes, Alan thank Hirsch, you, right? Alan Hirsch, uh, Jim Putman. Um, you know, a, a lot of those guys to to see what it looks like to to be the church. Uh, you know, in the U.S. and and to be the hands and feet of Christ, and I think that's been, I think the major theme, and that certainly brought you know Craig and I t- together on, on that uh, is that you know uh, that that's why Jesus said you know upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will will not you know stand against it. Is and I don't think he ever had in mind these buildings on the corner you know, as being referred to as, as, well, that's the church. Right. And, um, 
we've we've just really I, I, and I'm I struggle with that. You know, I try on Sunday morning to tell my kids, you know, to stop saying, uh, "Come on, let's go to church." You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's confusing. Yeah. It's absolutely confusing. You know, we're going to worship with our you know Park Hill brothers and sisters, and so uh, I do it myself. I confuse the the building with with the church, but. Um, they didn't have that in in on the field. Uh, there wasn't one on every corner, and so the only frame of reference to the church was believers that they had come in contact with, and mm-hmm. that's refreshing because that's what it's supposed to be. I, I, I think is um, you know as people go by buildings, I'd like for them to think have have a better understanding of you know what they do Monday through Saturday. Um, yeah. I, 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 speaking of one of those writers, uh, something that Jim Putman said. Uh, recently that really stuck with me was he said in talking about planning a church uh, in his life at some point in his ministry, he said that we sought to be the church first and then we developed a weekend service. Yeah. I thought that's, that's brilliant you know, <laughs> yeah. to be able to, to talk like that. And, to, and to, you know, because we have it backward. We, we think in terms of, well, let me get everything in place for that weekend service, and then we'll try try to start equipping the saints to you know to be the hands and feet of Christ, and 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 that could not be uh, more out of whack. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so that's been I think something that we've been really striving to do here is to uh, really put in the DNA of, of of this new church plant here that we're that we're seeking to do in Arkadelphia Connect Church is is to instill in the DNA. This idea of reproduction, discipleship, multiplication, and because that th- those were the works of Christ, and uh, you know mm. we were able to do that on the field uh, because again we had people coming with no baggage, no tradition, no yeah. well that's not the way I grew up doing it, you know, and um, so you had a unique opportunity to really take them to the Word and and show them you know what is what is God teaching us to do, what is His big vision. Uh, and how am I a part of that? And that's so exciting is to take a new believer, help them understand they're part of God's vision to reach into the lostness uh, right here in our own backyard. And, and it's it's abs- I mean, I could tell you story after story. Uh, Chad, I, you, you, you mentioned earlier about talking maybe specifically about the bus being a bus driver. But, you know, some yeah. of the things I hear out of these children's mouths, I mean, it is, mm. you know, Oh my goodness! You know, yeah. they're sometimes third mm. graders, second and third graders, yep. and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And um, some of the yeah. parents I come in contact with, uh, the, there was one um, I, I had to suspend this one uh, fifth grader off the bus, um, and I wanted to go check on him and I wanted to see how things were going, let him know that I wasn't angry at him. It was just you know there was a consequence to his behavior, and so. Uh, the, uh, I was, I'd finished the route, and, and I was coming back through, and I, I pulled off at, at this young man's house and uh, stopped off, and um, the mother was in the driveway, and uh, she was intoxicated at 3.30 in the afternoon, and mm. I just explained, you know, that I was just here to see, you know, her, her son, and uh, she struggled a little bit, and he comes out of the house and just comes up and hugs me. And now again, the, our last uh, encounter was, you know, uh, him being in very serious trouble and ended in him uh, w- ending in him being suspended off the bus for I forget about five days, I think. And so this was during that five days, and he just came up and just gave me a hug. And I, um, w- mm. what I, 
I, I, I drew from that is that is that not only him, but you know, kids are just starving for for love and yeah. and for acceptance. And um, Jesus gives mm-hmm. that; he brings that, and you know, that's that's at the root of uh, of all of this. And so the church, I think, I think we're, we look to the government too much to to fix a lot of these issues, and and you know, we just need to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so I'm I'm still on a journey. Please don't hear me say, you know, uh, that I've got all this figured out but by no means. And it hasn't been easy, um, but we uh, it, it, it's a it's a worthy fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the enemy has a foothold, a stronghold, I think, in, in our areas. And, and I think lulling us to believe that, you know, missions needs to happen outside, outside of our communities and um, and and uh, and not to. To, to to bring the battle here and and so that's what I um, I'm, I feel passionate about is yeah. is is to help believers catch the vision you know to to, to be missionaries right here see yourself as, as whatever you do uh, keep doing that God has engineered your circumstance to do that continue doing it but look at it as a platform uh, to to be um, you know uh, the hands and feet of Christ in the circles that God has placed us in. I've been uh, reading this book called Dangerous Act of Worship by Mark Laberton, and uh, uh, it's shocking that I'd be reading a new book. But but I tell you, it's fascinating, one of the most challenging books uh, I've read, and he tells a story. Laberton is the, I guess, president now of Fuller Seminary uh, out in Pasadena and was pastor of uh, a big Presbyterian church and. Beverly Hills and uh, right around Berkeley, you know, University of Cal Berkeley. And, and uh, he was telling his story. He was in the grocery store one day and standing in line and struck up a conversation with this guy. And was talk- this guy was talking about how tired he was and how hard he was working and everything. And then he kind of said, uh, he said, well, he said, I guess it could be worse. And he said, in the line, we were surrounded by magazines showing the results of a big earthquake that happened in Pakistan. And uh, Laberton said, uh, yeah, he said, you could live in Pakistan right now. And he said, well, I wouldn't be that stupid. And, and he said, he said, what hit <laughs> wow. me in that moment is some major assumptions that he made uh, as if people in that situation have a choice about where they mm-hmm. live. Right. Uh, and, and why would they choose to live in a place of suffering? And, uh, and he said, it just, just dawned on me how... Uh, how much like the American church experience that is when we look mm-hmm. at people and wonder, well, why don't they just get out of that situation? And reality is, particularly with these kids that you're encountering, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my wife teaches third grade and she comes home with stories every day, very similar to that. Mm-hmm. These kids have no choice. Um, right. And some of their parents have no choice where they live and because of circumstances, some within their control, some beyond their control. But this is the environment in which they live, and it's our job as the church to wade into those environments and, and at, at least bring a, a modicum of stability and encouragement to where even if you have to kick a kid off the bus, he knows you still love him and care about him, sure. and, and he's longing for that. Uh, a kid has no choice you know, about That's where so he grows true. up. And, uh, and I, you know, it's just a, it's a shift in thinking we've got to get to. To, yeah. to quit kind of seeing these folks as projects and, and um, you know, um, 
I guess, victims of their circumstances and see them as people that are created in the image of God that Jesus loves. That's and, exactly uh, right. And so uh, challenging yeah. stuff. Yeah. John Mark, you're you're doing something that uh you know, we're hoping gets I think more traction in Arkansas. Um, you know, with with house churches, house church network, with micro church, whatever you want to call it. We we're seeing several expressions of that in the state. Um some some that are happening uh in fact like your situation where it's actually through the local church instead of a part of the local church, like separated apart, I mean. Uh, apart from the local church, it's actually through the local church, which is really awesome. But, you know, you are going against a lot of the traditional understanding of church. So talk about what are the unique benefits of a house church model, but what are some of the challenges that you're facing to doing that in rural Arkansas? Sure. Um, well, I think that one of the biggest benefits is that uh, you're not uh, tied to a, a, a building which sometimes when you put the investment in that, and, um, and I, again, I'm, I'm not referring to it as being a bad system, but it just it is what it is. Uh, but one of the things that can happen, not always, but is that whatever segment that that building uh, reaches or, or, or that, uh, that church, it just becomes what it is. You know, it, it's hard, I think, to uh, be flexible. Um, whereas with a, a house church, I think you have more, more, um, more flexibility with, um, you know, being more multicultural. And, uh, even if it, let's say my strategy is to reach, you know, into a lot of different segments and it is by the way, um, yeah. you know, because again, lostness is lostness. And I think that as the church, uh, in a, in an area, we have to take responsibility for that. We, we can't just let some other group do that, you know, that's, God puts us in the circles that he puts us in, and, you know, we're to be open to, uh, to being a, a channel uh, of, of the gospel. So, um, so let's say, you know, we're, we're looking uh, at several segments, and if you, if you plant a, a, a physical church w- with an address, uh, again, it, it might be one segment that comes into that. And then that's, that is what it is as well. That's not necessarily right or wrong. I mean, I, I, I tend to think that I love multicultural congregations. I, I think that's more of a picture of what's going to, it's going to be like in heaven. I think that, you know, every tribe and, and, and tongue and nation is, is we're all going to be there. And so, um, but you know, what happens happens and you can't really, a lot of that's out of our control, but you know, if, if you're reaching into a certain segment and that's thriving, you can be in the middle of another stream going in another segment of the population, planning a group there. And you do want to instill in the DNA that, you know, we're all brothers and sisters and that, you know, Christ unites us and there's unity there. But uh, you're able to have several things going. And so, you know, with a building, there's got to be a budget. And, and so <laughs> there's just a lot of, <laughs> a, a lot of uh, things that can slow a movement down. Or, yeah. or jam it up. Yeah. And so with a house church movement, it, it's a little bit more fluid. Um, now, with challenges, is uh, I, I think you, you don't have a lot of... Um, now, with with how we're doing it, you know, I, I, I believe that we're kind of... Um, uh, we, we have support. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have the support of, of, of the association with the state. But um, 
I, I don't know. It, there's it gets a little trickier in terms of you know, uh, but but I'm wrestling with this. This is something that you know I'm I'm not so sure that that's not that that's a bad thing. I, I guess what I was trying to to finish out my thought was you know in terms of you know a budget in terms of you know uh, with tithing and you know what do you do uh, with that? But but there's more more and more things in place. So. Um, you just want to make sure that you've got good doctrine and good theology. And I, I think the way that it was done on the field and the way we're looking to do it now, I think we have some good safeguards in place uh, to help prevent, uh, you know, it go, going down a, a wrong direction or wrong path, path the, uh, uh, theologically. So um, I, I guess the biggest disadvantage is that it's just, it's not, it's not done here. It, it's anything new is just met with yeah. a lot of skepticism and that's yeah. frustrating. That sure. That's frustrating at times. Um, yeah. but you know, uh, the, 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 the one that we're really working with now is, uh, he, he, he's a individual that is not originally from here. He's, he's from Mexico. And so he doesn't have a lot of the so with him, it's it's really it's been really refreshing to kind of uh, he's kind of become my partner and and uh, it's almost like the sky's the limit because when you're when you're reading in Acts and when you're discipling someone and you're showing what God did, it's kind of when you have that perspective, it's kind of hard to be discouraged about you know um, I, I I think we see challenges differently uh, when you're really working with someone from an unchurched background. When you're, talk, when you're working with someone from a church background, I think you get a lot more questions and a lot more um, maybe skepticism. I don't know. Well, there's the, yeah. you know someone coming from an unchurched background has no framework for what the church is supposed to look like anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so anything That's you right. do is new and fresh and exciting because it's all they've ever known. And, uh, and so <laughs> there's right. a lot of freedom in that. Um, yeah. You know, I heard Brian Sanders say one time, you know, talking about some of the places they're going into in Tampa. He said, I found that if you go where the church is not and work with a group of people that have no church background, the there's more freedom because they don't know anything else. And That's the established right. church doesn't get mad at you because you're going after people that they you know, aren't going to reach anyway. And That's so right. so he said there's That's so exactly much freedom right. in that in the mobility and, and everything. And, and, uh, and so I, I think this is something that's going to grow as, as people in the West develop a more missionary mindset, you know, toward their communities and realizing Mm -hmm. that, that the communities have moved past the church. I mean, we are indeed post-Christian, whether we acknowledge it or not. And so the only way to, to impact lostness is to, to think and act and, and function like a missionary, you know, reading culture, engaging culture, and meeting people where they are, taking the gospel to them rather than asking them to come, you know, and hear it. And so that's one of the things that's exciting to me about, you know, the more mobile house church groups that are popping up in Arkansas is it's driven by mission um, mm. and and nothing else. And so uh, whether it's in northwest Arkansas, central, south central Arkansas, northeast Arkansas, you know, wherever – there, there are certainly communities of people that have no church memory or framework for what the church is supposed to look like and, and desperately need Jesus, and this is a great way to take mm. the gospel to them, start something new. So, mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So we're loving that. I, as as we kind of wrap up, what what would be if you could give one piece of advice, you know, from your you know mission field experience, your church planting experience, now being back here in the U.S., you know, if you give one piece of advice to to our church planters, pastors listening, uh, what would it, what would it be? I think uh, just to be be open um, to uh, what God is doing in the community and to be open to, to God maybe probing or, or revealing areas uh, to you that, you know, uh, may not necessarily be a bad thing, but not effective and certainly not uh, not strategic in, in, in reaching the lostness. Um, but I think this idea of, uh, of just kind of uh, not really thinking in terms of, 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 of owning the lostness, I, 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 I just keep going back to that, um, is, you know, what am I doing about that? Even though that's in a segment that is very different for me and, and, you know, in so many different ways, on so many different levels, but like you said, you know, they need Jesus. And what am I doing? What are we doing? And to, so to have an openness um, to some methods that are out there, um, you know, uh, again, I have no problem with tradition. Uh, I think, you know, that we, we, you know, we all worship in different ways and, and that's exciting and that's fine. But when it, when our tradition, uh, limits our effectiveness in the community, I think that we need to really examine it and, um, to determine because we got to get back to what, it, you know, what does scripture say the church is and what does it look like? And I, I think there are a lot of descriptive things in, in, in scripture, but I think there's a lot more prescriptive too that we uh, assign as descriptive and so um but certainly uh, being the hands and feet of christ uh would be my advice is you know what does that look like uh in 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 your community yeah it's great thank thank you john mark appreciate all that and just your your experience your insight we are i mean I'm, i'm i'm excited about these expressions of church that are popping up and you know you're you not only look like a lumberjack, but you're a pioneer <laughs> uh, in the truest sense of the word, my friend. You really are. You're pioneering. Uh, you're 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 walking through some difficult things, I know, but it's worth it. And I think you're laying the groundwork for more of this stuff in Arkansas. So yeah, uh, excited about it. Hey, we're gonna do some rapid fire with you. We want to. These are the, the sure. burning questions that everybody wants to know. Uh, <laughs> as long as you don't mention the Crimson Tide or the Atlanta Braves, we'll be good. So, top one or two books that have had the most impact on you? Uh, Forgotten Ways, uh, Alan right. Hirsch. Okay. All right. Uh, and one. and another one, arrow pointing upward, homeward, heaven. It's, it's, it's the story something about the arrows story, it's the story of uh rich mullins here uh, oh. here uh, arrow arrow pointing uh arrow pointing to heaven okay i thought <laughs> it, i thought maybe it, you were referencing your favorite movie which was homeward bound but uh no, that, no. that's not okay that's gonna come later that's gonna come later no that that was the story of rich mullins and and awesome. just his life i think was a beautiful picture of, of what it looked like to just be the hands and feet of christ yeah. and awesome. um those are two books that that definitely come to mind um cool what There's about? A lot more, uh, but oh yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could talk books all day long. And uh, I, I was, we had a birthday party for my niece over the weekend, and so my my other niece, Casey, who's about to turn twenty one, which is weird. Um, 
we, we, every time we get together, we talk books and, uh, it just fascinates my rest of my family because they don't read like we do, but, uh, but it's all right. It's all right. So, uh, uh, so, okay. So biggest, uh, strength in ministry, biggest weakness to overcome. John Mark stepped away from I'm the here. camera. No, I'm right here. I'm... Uh, he, he disappeared during rapid fire. We can't have rapid fire if you disappear during rapid fire. And, uh, uh, recalls the couple... time with Andy Swart. Uh, I, needed a, right. I needed a cup of cold water. It was too getting too hot, this rapid fire. All right, biggest strength in ministry, biggest challenge, weakness to overcome. Biggest strength in ministry would be uh, what I saw. Uh, on on the field, I mentioned my heroes of the faith for those national believers, and to know what they're doing, I think is has helped strengthen me. Uh, so, just their their memory and, and their uh, just their witness and and their boldness and courage. Uh, God love them. Um, biggest weakness, uh, man, could be just that I my looks. I'm just a very handsome guy and hard to. Uh, I, I, I stay prideful. It's just it's hard not to be prideful. No, um, weak, weakness. Uh, wow. Um, I I got a lot of them. Where to start? Right. Um, I, Maybe we should ask Craig on this one. Yeah. <laughs> quick. No, I, it, it's it's because I, I've 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 got a lot. I think discour- Um, I, I I get easily discouraged, and um, I, I know better than that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, God is. Uh, so I guess that's just some spiritual immaturity. Um, no, that, that's, just, that just comes with the territory. We yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's not a weakness. That's a that's a common shared experience in church planting. So. Yeah, yeah. Ministry that's reality. in general. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Favorite favorite hobby or pastime, John Mark. Uh, I, I love I love sports. I love following. Um, I love. Uh, baseball and you said not to mention the Braves so I won't mention I'm, I'm a huge Braves fan kidding, uh, kidding. and I'm a huge char- I'm a huge Chargers fan uh who just moved okay. to LA which really hurt hurt my heart but um mm. I, I do I, I love to follow sports and uh I'm a loyalist so I, I really um just uh have heartache and I'm riding high and uh, so that that's fun, but my family—I have three kids, and so uh, they are absolutely my world. And they're three, six, and nine. Actually, they're, they're uh, the nine just turned ten uh, a couple weeks ago. So fixing to have a ten, four, and uh, seven. So ten, uh, I didn't went out of order there, but uh, that's <laughs> that's just. Uh, that keeps me keeps me young and keeps me fresh and uh, yeah. really uh, challenges me to think about, you know, 20 years from now, what are they going to look back on? Just helping them to have a foundation. I want them to see their dad, um, you know, w- w- with a big faith, uh, that d- to know that they can dare to do, to be bold in the face of a lot of things. And I fall really short of that, but I want them to have an understanding of God that is just how big he is. And I, I don't want to limit their understanding. So, um, so I-, I love spending time with them, and, but, but trying to be a good father is really on my mind. Yeah. Mm. What about favorite movie? Uh, well, just saw a really good one last night. The BFG was really, really mm. good. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I go back to, I, I mean, Rocky, all of them except for five. Uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yep. love them. Should have ended um, it at four. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the the last two they've done have been really good. Uh, Rocky yeah. Balboa and uh, Creed was was good, but um, well, agree to I'm, disagree. But there you go. All right. No, I'm, all kidding. Right. I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Shawshank Redemption. There you uh, go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of going going back there. Um, oh, that's a good one. Uh, Gone with the wind. You know. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite band or musician? Uh, well, I, I mentioned Rich Mullins a while back. I, I still, yeah. you know, love to go back to him. Um, mm-hmm. Just listen to those words. But uh, currently, I, I, I really uh, I enjoy Need to Breathe, and um, uh, I'm a big Avett Brothers fan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we went got to go see them um, a couple months ago here in Little Rock, and it was really they're in Little Rock, I guess you could say. I'm not in Little Rock. You are. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that uh, listen to a lot of those guys. Um, yeah. All right. So no Scandinavian death metal or European folk metal or anything like that that would show no, up on my pod. Not 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 currently. <laughs> <laughs> not currently. All right. Well, good. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on, hanging out with us for a little bit. And uh, I, I just, you know, like I said, I, we're so excited about some of the trends and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the smaller micro reproducible, you know, house churches popping up and uh, organized around mission, which you're you're definitely doing and wading into in Arkadelphia. And, uh, and, and it's amazing. You know, the last church I pastored, we were in a small community, rural community, and we went there. I, I think our folks were convinced that we'd reached everybody we could reach in that community. And then all of a sudden, as we kind of got out and seeing who all was there, there were so many people that came to the church that our regular church folks didn't even know were in the community. And they thought they knew everybody. And I know that same holds true you know, for Arkadelphia. There's just so segments of the population that, that people don't even know exist out there and uh, desperately need Jesus. So... Uh, so thanks, man, for wading into that, and thanks for your friendship. Excited about what's uh, what's happening with you guys. And, My pleasure. Uh, all right, buddy. Great to be with y'all today. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Great conversation there with John Mark Page. Uh, I, I tell you, I love this guy. He's so different uh, from uh, so many of our church planners in the sense that uh, he does look like a homeless trucker, and uh, which is awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, his sweet wife, uh, Amanda, uh, is awesome. They, they're just kind of a fun, cool couple and, uh, love people. I mean, just, just always ever, every time I get together with him, he's going to know just about everybody in the room and, uh, always engaging folks and, and loving on folks and, and, uh, just love what they're going. He's a, you know, a, a goat farming, bus driving, uh, uh, missionary <laughs> and, uh, and church planner now. So, um, so very unique background, very unique kind of approach to ministry. You know, one of the things he said that I thought was fascinating that we desperately need to hear in the West. And if this is not the case and there's something wrong, uh, he said overseas, the only frame of reference for the church was not the buildings, but the believers, and, uh, you know, we hear this all the time. Every time, you know, we, we look to plant a new church in the community, one of the most common objections is, well, that community is filled with churches. And the reality is that there are a lot of communities that are filled with church buildings, but that doesn't necessarily translate to mission in the community. Uh, and there, now there's typically 
a couple of churches at least, depending on the size of the community, that are engaged in mission and are uh, engaging lostness with a passion and and fierceness. But that is not always the case. And just because there are buildings on the corners does not mean that the church is active and present in the community. And uh, and I pray, I pray that one day it would be said of us that the the only framework for the church is the believers and not the buildings. I mean, what a great place to get to. Uh, my fear is that there'll have to be a lot of dismantling of some stuff before that that happens. But uh, um, I heard a guy say one time that Jesus didn't come and die on the cross just so we could sit in a church. Um, uh, he created us for mission, created us to be on mission, and uh, because there's a desperate world out there, and we saw evidence of this over the weekend with Charlottesville, uh, we live in a broken, sick world. And the only answer to that is the gospel and the power of the gospel to break through those strongholds and break through the evil that, that just continues to, to permeate our society and, and divide people. And so, so may it be said of us that uh, the framework lost people have for the church is us as believers and not the buildings where we worship. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was great. He, um, I, I think now we're gonna have to, because of this interview, refer to the Bible Belt as the artist formerly known as the Bible Belt, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we can't. Yeah. The South is no longer the Bible Belt, so we'll just yeah. refer to it. It's like the emo Bible Belt now, you know, the one that's <laughs> kind of left the mainstream. And uh, um, you know, he he talked about you know kind of stripping down the church. We 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 talk a little bit about ecclesial ecclesial minimums or yeah. ecclesiological minimums you know what are the things that really makes church church yeah and because you know first century christians i think alan hirsch have heard him say this uh they didn't have buildings they didn't have the bible they did, i mean they had the old testament they'd have the new testament and certainly not every believer had a copy of the old testament and so right. there's just there's just so much of and and not to not to downplay the scriptures but just to say they didn't have any of the things that we think we have to have right uh, to do church and so when you really strip it down get back to those ecclesiological minimums uh you really don't need a lot to do church to have church to be the church and and i loved i love that and i i love that you know we're seeing this in hoxie we're seeing this in arkadelphia we're seeing house church movements birthed out of the established church and yeah. it's incredible like if you'd have told me where would house church come from i thought oh it come from some you know apostolic type people who are outside of the local church separated from it in spite of the local church and instead what you're seeing is people inside of the existing local church going we're not reaching who we who we need to be reaching or we're yeah. not reaching these marginalized people let's start another expression through our church and it's right. like it's incredible. Like it's yeah. so it's so encouraging and exciting that it's a kingdom mindset of look, we're not let's not compete, let's partner, you know? Yeah. And so that's just super encouraging to me. Uh that that, you know, it's not that church planting or church plants are against the local church, but it's okay, how do we reach the marginalized? Yeah. And using the resources of the existing church is great. Um so I could go on and on and on because there were several things that he mentioned, but uh, really, really appreciate John Mark and just his heart and 
and his appearance, which is a constant uh, form of entertainment for us. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought about I thought about when he pulled that little disappearing act. I was like, we know I know you look like Gandalf, but you don't have to act like Gandalf. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I just felt like it was you know we could have just kept going. He's a great sport though. He's an awesome. He is. His story I, I about love Ma- that guy. His story about McDonald's was hilarious. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I, I think we're going to see you know some some challenges moving forward, particularly with the younger generation. I, I was reading, uh, I think I rec- you know, got this either recommended this book or it's coming up. I can't remember. Uh, we've done so many podcasts here lately. I'm getting confused on when we did what. Yeah, but this book by Peyton Jones named Church Zero, and he was talking about a younger generation. He said he says younger generation has grown up creating things. Uh, you know, he said by the time they're they're teenagers, they've got their own YouTube channels and they're right. making videos and they're yeah. doing podcasts and they've you know they've got all this you know social media stuff that they've created and and you know Alex, our intern here, has thirty two thousand Instagram followers. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, the stuff these these guys are creating, and he's you know not even in his twenties yet. Right. And uh, and and he says and. Peyton Jones said, you know, they've got all this creative energy, all this passion to do things, and then we ask them to come to church and sit and be quiet. And he said, we wonder why they're leaving, and we wonder why they don't want to be a part, or they're going outside the church to impact the world, to create ways to alleviate, you know, suffering and and bring hope to to people. That's the church's job. I mean, that's what we were created for. And and to to not unleash that creativity, you know, on a world that needs Jesus is 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 disheartening. And yeah. uh, and I think with these house church networks, we're seeing not just young people, but a group of people saying there's got to be more than this. Right. Um, and so if I if I, I love my worship gathering, I love the people that we fellowship with here. But I want to be on mission. If I can't get the people to come and join us in fellowship here, then we've got to create something out here for them. And so I think that's what's happening in some of our churches. We've got some people that have a more apostolic missionary mindset that are saying, we can't wait on them to come to us. We've got to go to them. And um, and so they value that worship environment and value the relationships and community they have in the established church. But the mission is missing for a lot of folks. And uh, so it's going to be fun to kind of see how that all shakes out and where that goes, you know, in the future, particularly in a place like Arkansas, yeah. uh, that is, you know, vast majority rural context. And, uh, um, you know, can this work there? Well, we're seeing some places where it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, great, great conversation there with John Mark. And uh, I love that guy. I'm looking forward to seeing where all this uh, ends up in Arkadelphia with, with he and his crew down there. And thankful for Craig Seals. Uh, I pick on him, but I love that guy. And mm-hmm. just his heart for Arkadelphia, his heart for the church, heart for the community. And uh, this was kind of birthed out of um, you know his vision and plan for for Park Hill in Arkadelphia, and so uh, uh, so love that guy, and so thanks Craig for your investment in John Mark and and Arkadelphia as well. All right, we're gonna kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil now. It's story time with Uncle.
Today's story comes from Jared Sears at Narrative Church in Bentonville, Arkansas. Jared shares the story of a co-worker of his named Haley, who just recently started to attend Narrative Church. Haley's first week of attending Narrative Church, they were sharing their life stories. Right in the middle of the stories, Haley abruptly jumped in and she wanted to share hers. Hers was unlike anyone else's, but she felt compelled to get it out there. Haley stated that she's a bisexual agnostic who has had many instances of drug abuse and sexual experimentation. She said she's never been able to really stand religion because she felt like it was so close-minded. During a drug-induced coma, Haley felt like something was telling her that she needed to pursue some sort of spirituality. Because of that, and because she's alone and desperately in need of community, Haley has been attending Narrative Church. During a collective gathering, Haley got visibly disrupted when one of the families was talking about how Jesus was worth the suffering in their lives. During that time, Jared was teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jared says that there are so many conversations that have happened with Haley, and while on paper, it could be years before she completely surrenders to Jesus, but their community at Narrative Church is hoping and praying for a miracle. We want to hear your stories as well. Email us today at thegrind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. I had a great time with the John Mark Page. Love that guy. Yeah, he's one of the most interesting dudes <laughs> I know right now in the state. And so for Bookshelf this week, uh, another couple of uh, installments for you. Uh, in my uh, continued obsession and love for all things Patrick Lencioni. Mm. Uh, Your man crush. Dude, I'm say. telling you, I have just become such a fan. Um, you know, and just just his whole writing style, it, it just intrigues me with the, you know, telling the fable of the story at the beginning where he kind of in story fashion unpacks the principles he's going to talk about explicitly at the end. I love, that's just, it helps me remember what he's saying. Uh, and I just, it's just fascinating stuff. And this is a great writer. And, uh, so I'm plowing through all of his books and I think I have three, maybe four left to go. And we'll probably have those finished by the next couple of weeks. So you'll get a heavy dose of Patrick Lencioni over the next couple of months on Bookshelf. But uh, the one I wanted to, to recommend today was uh, Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive, uh, The Four Disciplines of the Heart of Making Any Organization World Class. And uh, now a lot of you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not an executive. Um, I'm not, you know, extraordinary. Uh, you are extraordinary <laughs> in our eyes. <laughs> you're, you're good enough. You're smart enough. That's right. If you're, you're listening to this podcast, like you. you are extraordinary. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, or odd. I don't, I don't know. Um, but but this whole book is kind of, the, the thing that I love about this book, he talks a lot about creating a healthy organizational culture. Hmm. Um, you know, how teams work together, how you lead uh, a staff, how you uh, get people in the right positions in the organization, how you uh, evaluate um, you know, who's doing well, who's not doing well, who fits where, who doesn't fit where, uh, how you communicate vision and mission and direction, um, and even advocates over communicating that. But the four things that he talks about in here, 
uh, really all revolve around creating a healthy organizational culture. Our, the first one was build and maintain a cohesive leadership team. Um, the planters, you cannot do this by yourself. We have, you've heard us talk about the whole APES five-fold model. We were never meant to do it by ourselves. Uh, the, you know, there, there are, are great leaders out there, but even the best leaders on the planet. Bill Hybels doesn't do things by himself. Rick Warren doesn't do things by himself. Neither does the Lone Ranger. Neither does the Lone Ranger. He has Kemosabe. That's right. No, he is Kemosabe. He has Tonto. Yeah. So, so he is <laughs> okay, Tonto's Kemosabe. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so anyway, you know, how do you build and maintain a good leadership team? How do you create organizational clarity? Uh, all about communication, how you communicate, how you create buy-in, how you get everybody on the same page. Church planners, can can I get a witness that yeah. this is a challenge to keep everybody moving in the same direction? And then he talks about over-communicating organizational clarity. Uh, you know, I heard a guy say one time that uh, you, you know you have sufficiently started communicating your vision when people start mocking you for it. <laughs> uh, wow. you know, they need to be able to recite it in their sleep. They need to be go where, be, need to know where they're going and, and how they're going to get there. So you just when you think you've communicated enough, you haven't. Uh, so keep communicating that vision and everything for clarity. And then to reinforce organizational clarity through human systems. Um, you know, one of the big sticking points and, and tough points, you know, for most of our church plants is the is in the area of systems and, and making sure that there is a way to move people from parking lot to mission, you know, from parking lot to leadership or from the community, uh, you know, chair to the pulpit or chair to the mission field or whatever. And so there are systems that help uh, organizations move people through that process to leadership positions and then sending them out. Uh, and just like the body, you know, human body does not work without all the systems functioning together. A church will not be healthy without all the function systems uh, systems functioning and working working together. Um, so it's a great book on organizational leadership and culture and how to create a good, healthy culture in your church. And so I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, <clears throat> sounds good, Dave. Uh, I've got The Pastor's Justification by Jared C. Wilson. We had Jared in Arkansas for a one-day conference uh, at University Baptist Church in Fayetteville on August 19th. So it was great having him in the state and been reading up on some of his books uh, kind of in preparation for that event and uh so yeah the pastor justification is one of those that i that i received a few years ago and never read and, and it was good to to sit down with it um i love i like i like jared a lot because he doesn't take himself seriously yeah like almost not at all in some ways <laughs> like he in his he's got the best bio i think i've ever read in the history of bios he calls himself a nincompoop in the bio <laughs> Uh, it just talks just about how he's a failed church planter and made the best of his marriage. He, you know, he says, I'm not a catalytic anything, you know, Jesus is everything. So he's, he's very, um, he, he's very honest. He's self-deprecating almost, uh, you know, in, in a way, but, uh, just humorous on honest, very easy to read, very yeah. transparent, but he just talks about, you know, when we think about pastoring, we think about as pastors, uh, we think about leadership development. We think about sermon preparation. We think about shepherding, counseling. We think about staffing. We think about all of these things. He's about how much time do we give to our souls? 
And that's really, I think, what this book really deals with is, is, is the pastor's heart, the pastor's soul, what's going on in your heart. What is your what is your justification? What are you leaning on that gives you meaning and purpose? So it kind of goes through uh, the passage in First Peter that talks about elders, and unpacks that and talks about different characteristics uh, of a pastor. He's 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 very gospel centered, Jesus focused. Uh, just a really good book on what it means to be humble, uh, what it means to uh, to to be a good shepherd of people, and uh, what it means to guard your soul. So highly recommend it to you. I am currently uh, enjoying that and planning on reading probably a couple other his books uh, in the near future. So you're reading? Are you reading one right now? Yeah, I finished one and I'm reading another one. Finished uh, Wonder Working God, which is yeah. about miracles, and I'll probably recommend that coming up. Very okay. good. <clears throat> same kind of yeah. same kind of stuff. Good sense of humor. Yeah. You know, very it seems to be a very humble guy. And uh, and so uh, and then uh, Story of Everything is another one that I've been reading through and um, kind of looking at creation through the story of everything yeah. and so we'll yeah. talk about those more later good but, to have him in the state and connect yeah. with him it was great yeah yeah really enjoying his his stuff and i've not read any uh of jared's books until until we set him up to come to arkansas i thought yeah it'd be good to read mm-hmm. some of his stuff since he's gonna be here yeah and very much enjoying it so highly recommend jared's stuff as well all right. Well, thanks again for joining us uh, for another episode of The Grind and uh, uh, some you know fun stuff coming up. Uh, you know Peyton Jones, uh, hardcore church playing podcast, author of Church Zero, uh, coming up. We've got uh, J.D. Payne, uh, who's on staff at Brook Hills Church in Alabama. Used to be a church playing professor at Southern Seminary. Uh, you know, has been in the state before. Great guys, strong. Emphasis on apostolic church planting. Love his model and what he does with church planting. Uh, you know, we got Sam Roberts, pastor at First Baptist Stuttgart, coming up. So uh, some cool stuff on the horizon. And uh, you know, fill us out, uh, fill out that survey for us if you would, and let us know what you think. Uh, write us a review on iTunes. We've got a coffee mug and a book for you, uh, if you will. And uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And uh, iTunes and Stitcher, Google Play, all those formats. And so uh, share it with a friend, give it as a Christmas gift, uh, whatever you want to do. And uh, uh, give the Grind Podcast as a Christmas gift. Yeah. I have no idea where that came from. That, it just popped out of my mouth. That and black socks are about on the same. I'm telling kind of, you. You, know, you, you want to warm somebody's heart, say, here, I'm giving you the gift of a free podcast you can download on iTunes from a couple of idiots that have no idea what they're doing. If you leave a review, you'll get a book and a mug. So in some ways, it is a gift. It is a gift. The gift that keeps on giving. It is, just like we are. We We are are the gift that keeps on giving. We are. So uh, thank you for (laughs) putting up with our lunacy, and uh, we will see you next time. Keep grinding.